Snow White, and the eight dwarves. My dwarves, my dwarves, come on, please gather around, all of you. Now, I have just learned that one of you eight dwarves has betrayed me. Now, I don't think it was you, Doc, nor you, Sleepy, Happy, or even Grumpy. I don't think you'd have the nerve to do it, Bashful. And you, Sneezy, you're too busy dealing with your allergies and dopey. Well, you're just not smart enough to be a stoolie, which leaves just one of you. Snitchy. No, 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 no. You've got it all wrong, Snow White. You ratted me out to the cops, so say goodbye, Snitchy. No, 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 no. All right, now. The rest of you, get back to work. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And you better whistle while you do it. Will not be presented at this time. Wake up, Sleepy. In order to bring you this special podcast. And you better show a better attitude, Grumpy. It's almost live. Still alive. It's alive! A limited podcast series about Northwest Television's legendary TV sketch comedy show. An amazing phenomenon. Featuring intimate conversations with the writers, performers, creators. Rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, bushwhackers, hornswagglers, horse thieves, bull dykes, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and messages. Your host was one of them. I think I would remember a thing like that. Pat Cashman. What's the matter with you? Almost live. This is just a real nice surprise. Still alive. Just a real nice surprise. When Almost Live debuted, it had several writers, more than a few actors, it had a full studio crew, and a lot of critics. But it had only one field camera guy. And that was okay because that one person was gifted enough to carry the load. His name? Mike Boydston. But he's more than a guy with a camera. He's a director, a producer, an editor, a sound designer, a lighting specialist, a location planner, a story developer, and a strong and opinionated force. He was the director of photography for Bill Nye the Science Guy, for Biz Kids on PBS, the senior producer for Miramar Productions, and much, much more. He's been nominated for Emmys and Grammys and you name it, and yet, on the resume I saw, he doesn't even mention Almost Live. What the hell? But here now is Mike Boydston, and I apologize for my lousy audio, apparently recorded in a bathroom. Hi, Mike. What the hell do you want? Oh, uh, what the hell do I uh, want? I, I just wanted to do an interview with you. That, that's okay for this. Uh, oh, somebody actually wants to... Oh, somebody... Finally, wants to talk to me. No, no, I'm not. Because I've got some things to say. I know you do. Uh, you always have. But I and I'm not no, trying I'm to do these in any particular order. <laughs> okay. And I knew oh, I knew no. you'd be. Offended. Yeah, I didn't know this even existed until recently. I'm like, oh my god, what have I been missing? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. See, I think guys like you would think, oh, he's getting down to the bottom of the barrel now, and now he's going to talk to me. Well, that- it, it couldn't true, have been, could, I, that could not be less true. I Ralph it, said Ralph says that you're doing one with him too. Yeah, Ralph Bevins. And, yeah. and what about Daryl? Uh, yes, Daryl Suto as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, and uh, I've got a great Daryl story. <laughs> well, why don't we start with that? Tell me the Daryl story. <laughs> Daryl Suto, who? Well, it's actually a Daryl and John story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Lay it <laughs> on okay, us. Okay. So we all know. We all know. Uh, 
uh, Billy Kwan. It's time for Mind Your Manners with Billy Kwan. And Billy Kwan was kind of born out of another bit, action hero bit that we did. Right. And then we're shooting the first, and so then we get this, because Jackie Chan was just starting to become popular, and I didn't know who Jackie Chan was. I was a boy from Oklahoma. So and I didn't know anything about Seattle or, or Kung Fu. All I knew was David Carradine and the grasshopper thing. You know, that's all I knew. Right, but right. So, so uh, we're going to do this action hero, and it's the Billy Kwan thing. And um, so we're driving there. It's just the three of us, because it's not like we had crew. And so we're driving there. And, uh, Driving where? To oh, I'm sorry, to the location for the first Billy Kwan, which was a Chinese restaurant somewhere in the International District. So you got you got was. all the permits and all the officials. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> no, we got permission to. <laughs> well, it was all inside the restaurant. We we can talk about the rogue stuff in a minute, but did, this was yeah, all did legit. We, did we ever get a permit to shoot <laughs> no, anywhere? I, I got a story for you coming up too, but go ahead. Okay, hold on. This is good though. I got to get to it. So we're driving to the Chinese restaurant and. John's trying to coach Daryl, who's never acted, right. how to do this thing because you got to do the lip flap for the for the kung fu stuff, so the lip sync is out, and then the, and so. But Daryl was having trouble grasping that whole idea, yeah. And so um, John starts giving him what I thought were nonsense syllables to say to make his mouth move funny, <laughs> and those syllables were "kung fai willimak," "kung fai willimak," and and John saying, "Just say that, just say that," and Daryl's going "kung fai willimak," practicing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we get there and we're shooting and Daryl gets camera freeze. Oh, and, no. and I'm like, Daryl, just do that thing you were doing in the band. Quang Fai, Willie Mike, Quang Fai. And they're like, shut up, shut up, Mike, shut up, shut up. I'm like, what? You guys were saying Quang Fai, do that again. And, and, and then they, John pulls me over and says, that's the name of the guy that murdered like seven people a year ago here down here in the international district oh they no. were using his name oh no uh, what i thought was gibberish but it was that guy's name yes. and some sort of dark humor you know as they're driving there and i'm i'm from oklahoma i didn't know about the my lane yeah yeah the my yeah the, these it was a notorious horrible story of these murders that took place in the international district yes on february 18 1983 as 13 bodies were taken out of the wami gambling club harry chan was working a few doors down at his chinatown restaurant later on i heard that the people the person call 911 it's from here and so the people in so the people in the I restaurant thought it was just nonsense Oh, and the people, the women were standing off to the side with this horrid look on their face. The Wami and, massacre, that's what it was. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, and then John's like, oh, <laughs> the guy's name. It. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, geez. <laughs> and we finished and we got out of there. I don't know. I don't know. Oh man. I'm not sure. I've never sure heard that story thinking. before. Here's here's one I got for you, Mike, and I don't know if you remember this, but uh we, we one of John's early bits was the uh, the John um what was it called? Um assignment danger. And he had this idea where he wanted to see what was happening inside the walls of uh of Broadmoor. Broadmoor. Yes. Right, right, right. And you were the shooter. Okay. Broadmoor. Within the city of Seattle sits a walled-off community shrouded in mystery. Only the very elite can gain entrance through the heavily guarded gate. The common people of Seattle have never known what lies behind these heavily fortified walls. Until now. So the, the premise was that 
you would expect when you got into Broadmoor that there'd be these lavish homes and beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful bushes and lawns and all of that. Instead, the the premise is that in in fact Broadmoor is a squalid uh, mm-hmm. place with what was it? It was a beautiful rural community. <laughs> very rural, very rural with cows and sheep and and yeah. rust goats. I think. Yes. I think it was goats and, and goats. Sheep. So, which is a hilarious concept because nobody who didn't live in Broadmoor really knew what it was like in there. Yeah, because you couldn't get past the gate. Right. So unless you lived there. So, so for the uh, for most of the bit, we were going to be inside supposedly Broadmoor. So we drove around. Was I was involved in the shoot, one of my very first shoots ever with you and John. And we drove around, and we were down in South King County, or maybe North right. North Pierce County, looking for the perfect location for what was without so- any idea where we were going. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we just knew we would know it when we saw it. And, uh, and finally, <laughs> finally we pull up to this place and we go, Holy shit. Look at that. This yeah, place goats is, out back. There's goats, there's sheep, there's chickens, there's there's weeds, and there's a, this. Did we lo- even knock on the door? Yes. <laughs> or did yes. we just start shooting? Well, my memory is oh. that we did knock on the door, but nobody came to the door because we were going to ask for permission. And we said, well, shit, let's just shoot here anyway. Because this is, we're never going to find a place this good. So, so did we get out without anyone ever discovering Yeah, we did. Us? I don't remember We that. did yeah. get out with no one ever noticing us or saying anything. And it was the magnificent location. This is Broadmoor. You can't just come walking in here. This is Broadmoor? Broadmoor, yeah. What were you expecting? Well, you know, somehow I thought it was going to be a, just a lot different than this. I don't know. Oh, great. Now those sheep have moved across, and I'll have to go to my nine iron. Uh, well, well, I was going to go back out. I'm sorry. I didn't want to. I, 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 I didn't Look, mean to. Look, you've seen Broadmoor, you can never leave here. I thought that was swag. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that was Swagwan for some Okay, reason. let's talk yeah, about Swagwan later. Yeah, yeah, but, right. yeah, for sure. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but we did shoot there. It turned out to be perfect. But I always had the thought later that the couple, let's call them Fred and Inez Jenkins, that was their house. And they happened to tune into Almost Live that weekend. And see their goats. <laughs> that looks like our goats. What the hell? <laughs> What'd they do to our sheep? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But that was the point of that show, Mike. And it was that we kind of, we we weren't bad people, but we were roguish. Oh, no, we We were rogue. We had no signage on the vehicles, so we could go anywhere we wanted. We had a K5 on it. I think, I don't I don't remember. It was a subtle. Yeah, I don't even remember that. I thought we just had a pure white van with no signage on it. So, we never asked permission to shoot, we, whether it would have been down in Pioneer uh-huh. Square or, uh, you know, you name it. We just... No, we, we never asked anywhere. We just yeah, we showed just up. It. I mean, a lot of it was on the street. And I guess in a way, you know, as small as we were, we were just like a, kind of the same size as a news crew. So it's yeah. not like we're blocking traffic or yeah. anything, you know, so... I remember we shot... to be unseen. We shot one time, um, I was doing a bit called the Unsolved Mysteries of Seattle. I'm not sure if you shot this bit, but 
And I found a company in Redmond, Washington called the Erection Company. You remember this? And it was, it was a construction company called the Erection Company. So naturally, we had to go shoot there. So I stand in front of the building with, I, next to the sign that says the Erection Company on it. And I said, well, maybe I better go ask permission. So I go in the lobby of the building. And as soon as I walk in, the woman, woman in the lobby says, okay, I recognize you guys. We know why you're here. Take your little <laughs> shot and get out of here. She knew exactly why we were there. <laughs> and what goes on in this building? <laughs> One can only imagine. I don't know if I shot that one. It's all a blur. I mean, I'm yeah, me too. Yeah, occasionally, occasionally, I stumble across something somebody posts. I'm like, oh wow, I did that. Like, yeah, because you know, it was like it's it's all a blur. You were the. Uh, <laughs> and it was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and you were the guy. You were the photog for the show from its very beginnings. And uh -huh. so right, before pilots, we get yeah. so before we get there, tell me about your background. You said you were from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. Where did you go to school? Where? How did you grow up? And what brought you to be doing the kind of art that you do? Oklahoma every night, my honey lamb and I. Well, uh, yeah, I uh, grew up in Oklahoma City, which oh, I'll digress quickly, which is ironically where Daryl Sudo. I know. What, what's with is that? Is that weird? And get this, he's married to a girl I went to high school with. I didn't know that. Is that weird? Really? <laughs> like, how could he be 2,000 miles? And we, like, traded places. Did not know that. I knew Isn't he was in weird? Oklahoma City, which is odd enough. Yeah, and so uh, that's where I kind of grew up, came, came of age. Huh. So, yeah, I, you know, I was a long-haired kid, skinny as a bean, and I thought for sure I was going to be a rock star. You know, I was going to be... I know you're a musician, Eagles. right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I... Uh, was bumming around just playing in rock bands and um, a roommate of mine was going to school at a, at a city university there. And he just discovered a sign that said, Hey, uh, uh, that the local TV news station is looking for an intern kind of position. And he, he brought that home to me and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to apply for that. So I s completely stumbled into the industry. You had no experience I mean, I at all. Well, no, I had actually had a little super eight and I'd done some oh, cool okay. little fun little uh, shoots as a kid. In fact, I was in an explorer group when I was like 13 or something. Here we have our young scout explorer about to embark on his first canoe ride. It's, yeah, it's like a Boy Scout, a junior Boy Scout, and it was at a TV station. A local reporter, photographer, was, were, were uh, sponsoring these kids to come in and learn about it. So that was early on, and we had to do little films, and those guys would critique us. So I learned a little bit about that when I'm like 14, you know. But then at 21 or so, I yeah, I stumbled into it just by chance. Did you go to college? After, uh, 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 I started in the university. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, and then I realized I'm in this film class, and I'm like, I know more than this guy. <laughs> and so, because <laughs> I'm already doing it. Did you tell guy. him that? Hey, no, hey, uh, shut up! I know more than uh, you do. I'm taking over this class. I didn't take over the class. I just didn't show up anymore. So yeah, I oh, I got crazy. through two years, and then I'm like. Never look back. <laughs> so, so you get. This I wouldn't advise that to anybody. 
So, so Mike, you started in the news, in news, shooting news, right? Yeah, started shooting news. Yeah, that's kind of where you learn the basics of filmmaking and how to make decisions and move quick and get it done. You know. So how did you you get deadline? How did you get from Oklahoma City to Seattle, or were there other stops along the way? Oh, there was uh, no. It was straight from here. Oh, a guy I worked with uh, TV there was from the Northwest. He said. I had long hair and a beard and I looked like a granola dude. And he says, yeah. you should go to Seattle or Portland. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll look. And then I got a gig and here I am. And then I, you know, did you go straight, for, did you go straight to, to King TV? No, I went to Cairo for like three months. Oh, I didn't know that. Damn it. Oh, yeah. Shame on you. Ooh. And then King offered me a job. <laughs> How did so you I get to King? They were, they were so pissed. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Craig Johnson was the production manager there. He actually Daryl Benedict, the Evening Magazine. You probably know Daryl. Sure. He was a shooter, and he was said, "Hey, I'm going to apply for this job at King." And I said, "Oh yeah, what job is that?" And then I applied for the same job, and I, oh, he was so pissed at me. Did you get <laughs> anyway? Did you get the job it, over what, him? No. Yeah. Because because he you you both Please wound cut up that there. out. Please cut that. No, no, you I both wound up there, story. so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we both wound up there. Yeah. But it's somehow I ended up by coincidence just being in the right place at the right time to end up in the slot. Oh, okay, Boyston goes to the comedy guys. No, and they were no, doing, wait a minute. Dude. We were already doing that rock and roll show. Oh, yeah. And that Rev. Has, yeah. Rock Rev entertainment and, videos. And John yeah, Keyser. We and that had sketch stuff in it. So as you, as your other segments have said, yeah, that kind of led to yeah. sort of some of the early thoughts of the... From the newsroom of the Rocket Magazine, this is the Rocket Report with John Keister. Heavy metal has added several words to the musician's vocabulary, such as bone crushing, bruising, head banging, killer, and my favorite, face melting. You never shot news at King. No, never shot news at King. Huh. But we shot magazine, you know, documentary styles. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you hear that this show, which went through a couple of incarnations before it finally right, became that, that a was, show. Uh, Bob Jones is the program director. Right. He came up with the idea to do some entertainment stuff. And, you know, that Sunday evening slot is what they were looking to fill. Mm-hmm. And so, and it would be in an hour. And they, you know, so Jones has this vision of doing this. Uh, let's, hey, let's, they're doing a little comedy. Let's make this thing. We can make this su- Sunday. Doesn't have to be comedy, but it was, it was kind of talk show too, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Very much. Right. Or, I think it was and initially so, yeah, called. Started. It was initially it, called yeah. Rainy Day Gazette, I think, and then it had another yeah, right. name. There was a couple of Take Five. Yeah, but one. yeah, but <laughs> both of those uh, didn't quite hit the ball no, out of the park. It was different producers. Yeah, yeah. They even hired some guy from New York that came in and produced a bit. Correct. And he was fun to work with, but I don't remember much. Yeah, I don't know what happened. All David and Silverman was David Silverman. He's a charity auctioneer these days. He local, was going to be the host, a of local one of those comedian, fights. and they brought in a uh, comic from Washington D.C. to co-host with him. I, again, it's all pretty hazy, but it's a, yeah. Eventually, yeah. Anyway, they did these pilots. They went nowhere, and then suddenly, uh, almost live. But it was was it called Take Five then first, or it was, was called? It there was a name called Take Five, which, I, interestingly enough, later became the name of a news show, a four o'clock news show right, that King right. tried for about two years. That my yeah. son was one of the co-hosts of. So <laughs> okay. how weird is that? I missed it. <laughs> and then my son moved, as you know, to Oklahoma all... City. Yeah, it's all cyclical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you did you um did you think this is great? I I, I never really wanted oh, to no, shoot. No, at those news. days 
at those days, King TV had was legendary for yeah. doing cool programming. Yeah. You know, they had that How Come and all and what are some other shows that were just, you know, local TV is pretty much news. Yeah. They, and a little they, bit of public affairs. They had, you know, so they had How Come, they had Why Not, they had What the Hell, all those different <laughs> shows. And they, on Sunday evening, they had I Don't Give a Damn. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> God, what a memory anyway. you have. Yeah. No. <laughs> So, but I mean, so, this was so out of your, or maybe it wasn't out of your wheelhouse. And you thought, well, wait a minute. I, oh, no, you're, if you're shooting TV news and, and you want to do more yeah. and you're at a TV station, to find myself at a station that was doing more than just documentaries, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, heaven. Well, yeah. I've always told people this, Mike, that um, because you were there at the outset you were the, a camera person for sure, but you were also a writer because I think that your uh, approach to how to shoot things was very much a writer's craft as well because things would- Well, it's visual storytelling. Yes, it is. Yeah, and it, yeah. it would either work or not work based on how you put it together. So right. you, you were yeah. um, you were an well, that's author- That's just directing. It, it, that's direct. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then you also and, and in those days we were sort of a team where we kind of co-directed because nobody really had the vision of how to really pull it off because we were TV station. You know, it's not like we were in a film school. Yeah. But you know, and we'd learned uh, the craft of you know cinema of movie making narrative. You know, so yeah, we were kind of learning together, and so we kind of all co co-directed in a way a lot. You know, when you uh, or, or, when or you... not, sometimes I just shut up and pointed. <laughs> no, no, you didn't, and and. Uh, Here's the thing, Mike, about you. Here's the thing about you, and I and I and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I think most people were afraid of you because they you you seemed to be an authority on th how to shoot things, and we always deferred to you because you were always right about how to do something. And so, if we got you mad at us for whatever reason, it might be <laughs> that was a dark day. I remember I, oh. I hated it when you were mad at me and I think a lot <laughs> of other people remember ever being mad well at it, you it just seemed like <laughs> now it. there's a couple of yeah yeah just, well you know you got to remember here's the thing it, 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 we've kind of touched on this because we're at a tv station and tv stations think of a camera crew as a one guy with a camera yeah and here we are trying to do narrative comedy storytelling and it's like you know so that means I was the camera guy I was many times co-directing or whatever you were, you were uh, the audio guy i was this audio guy i was the lighting guy and i had to carry all the shit around and <laughs> while i had giggly dudes in the back messing with me you know yeah so uh so yeah it was frustrating uh but because i just wanted to get it done and get it done good and here i am you know it's uh, i just remembered the, the, the moment i decided i mean i might as well jump to this i okay i just remember the moment i decided to i it was time for me to move on the show had just finally reached the right time slot. We were finally doing half hour. And I think I did the first season of the half hour show yep. at, 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 Saturday, at, at Saturday night. And so, and we were shooting a speed walker and here with, we are at Bill the space I. needle. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. With speed knocker and we're at the space needle and I got the camera on my shoulder. I've got the boom mic, you know, boom into my gut extended out over me like this. And, uh, and we're trying to shoot this scene with two people talking. And so I'm the sound guy and the camera guy. And we got this and we trying and trying to get it right. We're trying to get it right. 
And just when we got a take that was perfect. I think I remember this. One of the crew sneaks up behind you. And flicks my camera, the switch on the back, to, to color bars and ruined the take. And he's just giggling and laughing about how funny that was. And I got all this shit balanced on my shoulders. My back hurt. And that's when I thought, this is the time to move on. Wow. <laughs> so I was gone within a few months, yeah. I never uh, knew that, that was why you left. the first time I, I've ever related that story. Isn't that anyway, great to get myself, that off your really. chest? Yeah. 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 Those guys, because here I was, you know, but what you're saying is, yeah, it was tough. Because yeah. you had a crew of one doing everything. Yeah, you think as an on-camera performer, like, you know, I might do something and I'll say, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. Oh, poor me. And you're the guy schlepping all the shit around <laughs> and doing all the heavy lifting and literally the heavy lifting. Well, literally, it truly is the local TV station mentality of what a camera crew is. That's That's the root of it all. Yeah. We were trying to do more than what and that was the beauty of it too that's also what made us so creative you know you've heard that story before you with when you have limitations that forces you to be more creative to do other stuff and so let's talk about the positive stuff we used to like do a lot of parodies and we would um parody movies right and so whenever we were shooting them like a parody of uh, with Joe, we did some staying alive thing where it was the BGs, and so we were doing him like strutting down the street. Oh my and, you god, know, I love all this, that piece. That's one of my yeah, all-time all favorites. Right? What was it? Language of love. Thing. Yeah. The idea was that he was going. He thought if he could dress up like uh, John Travolta and Travolta, wear yeah. platform shoes and wear you know that and walk around town, the girls would dig they, it. Up. They would just be attracted to him. And it, oh, okay. it, it's entirely, <laughs> it, didn't work. it wasn't scripted. Oh, right. It was just entirely oh. made up and oh, we'll yeah, see what happens right. sort of stuff. That's right. It was. But you yeah. captured everything. It was such but, a good piece. But the, the opening was sort of a parody of Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Fever. Hi, how are you doing this afternoon? I don't speak English. <laughs> okay. You know, the language of love is universal. You're right. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, and so my point is we would parody the, the shots, too, or, you know, the dolly would be a handheld or a wheelchair, uh, you know, or, or, you know, we would we would try to make the similar shot, but we had didn't have the resources. We had one guy in a camera, you know, and so we would do what we could, you know, even if it was an office chair as a dolly, you know. Somebody pushing the office chair around. We do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we you really, really wanted to 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 you were create uh, our own version of those shots. You were also, Mike, uh, unlike anybody I've ever worked for with, I should say. You were incredibly daring, and you put your life at risk trying to get crazy shots. I remember you hanging off of a van, holding on with one hand while your camera was in the other. You could have been killed countless times just to get shots that? that you thought were going to be perfect see because they would have been they would have been on a shot maker truck with a camera yeah <laughs> but there we were i guess i i don't i don't remember hanging out of band oh yes I you probably did. did oh yes you did yes you did <laughs> i doubt i hung very far out yeah no you did i mean we always marveled <laughs> we said good lord this guy will kill himself to get a shot the shot became more important than your own life and a limb we couldn't yeah. believe it I tell people this to this day, Mike, um, they say, when did you think Almost Live became a really special show that um, 
transcended just being a let's put it on the air and hope it doesn't get canceled to something rather more extraordinary than that. And I will always point to a shoot that you did where you invented so many wonderful scenes and lighting and all of that. And it was the Alien Gumbies. Alien Gumbies. That changed everything, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Right. Tell, tell right. us about it kinda, that. It came, it, that, was when, that was when it was still Ross as the host, right? Yep, and I think so. The, yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, and, and so it was, John it was, was in it, and I, Joe Guppy was in that shoot. Yeah, right. And I think Ross was the host. <clears> so and what, I, what I'm getting at, I, I think that was a piece that helped make everyone realize that, because John and I were this little team. We'd go do our stuff. I hardly did that much on the rest of the show. Yeah. I always did those tape bits, and John was the <laughs> one doing the tape bits. So it was such a difference and such an upgrade for the show that it, it you know, and in the you know the morning we're shooting at here's one quick one where we're cutting out the uh, eggplant that the uh, Gumby jumps out of you know and uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the exacto knife slipped and I cut my ankle <laughs> and I'm gushing blood what? we had to stop everything run and I got like three or four stitches what. <laughs> I never heard about we that. Up, we had to run up to group health, get my stitches, come back, eat lunch, and then we finished the shoot. <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> and what's funny is we shot that where the gumby pops out of the eggplant. We shot that in the backstage prop area. Yeah, so yeah. We left it all sitting right there with the camera still on the tripod because I was gushing blood. And we came back and it was all still sitting there. <laughs> it's like as if we never left. <laughs> For people who don't remember the bit, it, the, the movie Alien, was a huge hit at that time. So the idea was a parody of Alien, but it was called Alien Gumbies. And uh, John and, and Joe Guppy are crawling around in this area and they find these, what appear to be eggplants, and then they burst open and the, and Gumbies jump out of the eggplant. Um, it, it's a, and attached to your face. I, I don't even know who thought of that. I mean, how that was Keister. How oh, that was high totally was he when he thought guess. of that? Yeah, I mean, Jesus, yeah. but it was fantastic. Oh, no, John was never high. John never. That no. bit, that bit <laughs> stood out, man. Pokey, hey, Pokey, Pokey, come on, hey, Pokey, Pokey, let's go for a ride. Hey, hey, Pokey. And, it, yeah, and I think everybody upped their game and said, "Well, we got to do something as good as that. We better." Right, right. You yeah. were also the shooter on one of my very first pieces. Uh, and it was called uh, Sluggy, and oh, Sluggy, yeah, oh, that's right. And then you did so. I did a few of those, yeah, yeah. But the first one was this idea that uh, a kid is too poor to afford uh -huh. a dog or a cat or uh -huh. even a frog, but he can have a slug for a pet, and right. the idea was as simple as that, and so. I remember, and then we did parodied Lassie, so we did shots like we're in the Lassie movie. Yeah, exactly. It was like Lassie. Uh, there was a bit of old Yeller in there because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the old slug Yeller, gets uh, rabies at the end. Yeller. Yeah. Get my gun, boy! No! Get my gun, boy! <laughs> and the way you shook your head, you know. Get my get gun, my boy! Gun, boy! But again, it, it's, it's kind of the same guy as. Get out of my yard! Why you? That was the the haunted garage on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yes, Joe Guppy's haunted garage sketch shot at his parents' house. That was Joe's aunt's house. Oh. I think it was her aunt, hmm. Sal. 
Joe lived up in the privileged North Capitol Hill. Oh, true. That house was down in the South, almost Central District. Down in the school. Way more urban. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it was a beautiful house. I think I but, said so this. So that bit was. I think yeah, I said that was, this. That was down there. I think I said this, Mike, on, on that podcast. I said, <laughs> I don't know what that bit was about. I'm still to this uh, day yeah. confused about well, what was, the yeah it was weird we all were like whatever joe just tell us what to do <laughs> that was one of those <laughs> yeah joe had a vision but he uh, forgot to bring yeah. his eyeglasses with him i think or something oh uh, yeah well it was good but then at, at his parents house so that's when we did a great one called nuisance yes nuisance was with nancy and it was sort of a, a parody of psycho hello is your refrigerator running yes well you better go catch it ah! And I was in heaven because we go in and we're going to do the shower scene and we pull open the curtains and I look up and my God, the, the holy grail of shower scenes is right there. The very shower head from Psycho. Uh, Psycho. Yeah. It's the round seven inch pancakey flat one that spews out <laughs> sort of like a planter, the one you water plants yes. with, but it's big. And it's like, just like that. I'm like, I was in heaven. It's like, oh my God, it's the actual shower head. And we're doing the cycle. You know, the, those are the little things that turned me on back. And of course the twist is that you see this stealthy figure in big boots creeping into the bathroom where Nancy is showering and he reaches over and flushes the toilet turning Nancy's warm shower into ice water. Are you a huge movie fan? I mean, I know you have sure. gone on to shoot films uh -huh. yeah. since almost live days. What are the kind of oh, they movies? All <laughs> they all suck? Citizen, <laughs> Citizen Kane sucks. Well, it's just two hours too long, that's all. But, <laughs> but I mean, what, what it, you know, well, that's true. Oh, but what uh, influenced you? What? What cinema, what directors uh, did you say, that's that guy's uh, doing what I, I want to do? Yeah, yeah. I think the guy that did Gun, Gunsmoke, I don't know. I'm kidding. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't do the... Really? Nothing? The, You're not... You know, yeah, somebody asked me, I was on a film set shooting this one movie, and this uh, camera assistant guy's like, well, what cinematographer did you look up? I'm like, I have. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't pay attention to stars' names. I don't pay... I, I'm kind of bad in that way. But, you know, I... I just know good cinematography when I see it. I'm just not good at recognizing who the hell they are. But well, that's because yeah. you're an original, I guess. I that, guess I don't know. That's your problem. I, I don't really know that. I I don't have an opinion um, on other, other. You know, there's the greats, of course, but whatever. But you've told some great stories, Mike. Uh, reach into the reservoir of your mind and see if you can come up with some other behind the scenes things that right, you've right, never right, mentioned. Right. Okay, well, okay, wait, wait there's a swag one. You I, must... I, I told you about this one, so I got to tell this one. Okay, so before you say that, there was the Maharishi... Bagwan, yeah. Bagwan in, in Oregon. Yeah, and the Rajneesh Puram and all that. So my idea was that people are worshiping a guy whose only thing that he does is he hangs upside down. I had no better idea than that. And that I would be hanging upside down. And the reason I got the idea is because you oh, used to have I this. Didn't know uh, that. <laughs> remember, it was yeah, to it was to because, help your yeah, back. My back was always in pain. You had these these inversion shoes that boots off of door and the tops of doors yeah, and a doorway inversion yeah. boots exactly. And so that's right. what gave me the idea for it. <laughs> I don't think uh, I ever put so, that together. All I'm doing is hanging upside down, and somehow I think that's that's going to form a <laughs> religion did. of some kind. 
And my favorite scene in that bit was, of course I do you remember D.W. Clark? I loved D.W. He's still around somewhere. Actually, he left this voice message for you. This is D.W. Clark. I'm pleased that Mike Boydston says he loves me, especially since I do not remember him. I do remember the good shooters. Okay, that was unnecessarily rude. I'm sorry, Mike. Let's get back to the swag one. I'm hanging upside down in this room. First of all, I pretend as if I'm so I'm so ascetic that I, I don't I don't eat anything, I don't drink anything, I take no drugs, I'm the perfect pure soul. And then a knock comes at the door and DW right. opens the door and he says, I got a pizza here, got a pizza for a swag one. And I and I'm denying that it's okay. no, it's not for me. No, I I never ordered it. No, no, it's not. You're sure it says it's for a say, guy, upside down guy, a swag one? Go, nope, not me, that. not me. And he lingers. You let that shot just sit there quietly for a long time. And then finally DW goes, okay, and closes the door. And But you extended that scene so that it had a lot of breathing room. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah. And so you it made that it long funny to in. me anyway. <laughs> Yes, it goes on for like 11 seconds. I don't remember clearly. It's yeah, just nothing happening. He's so reluctant to, well, somebody's <laughs> got to pay for this pizza, but I don't know. Now we got to tell the story out front because this was confused because you were standing out front about to do a stand-up and that couldn't have been you because you were the swag one. Yes, I so was the swag one, but... Maybe I, this wasn't the swag one. Maybe no, no, no. We were I, shooting. Had, I had an understudy, if you will, a stunt swag one, and that was you. Am I correct? I don't remember. Because I couldn't be in two shot, in the same shot at the same time. Uh, but, some, but this is the, I'm trying to tell, when the people walk by and you were annoyed that the rubberneckers were walking, <laughs> not you're annoyed, you were, you were, actually you took advantage of the opportunity to freak somebody out. Because you're standing there with the microphone in your hand like a reporter. You look like exactly. you know, yeah. King Five reporter and I'm, I'm at the camera. And you just instantly, I don't know how you knew to do this, you like instantly go, and the severed head was found over here by these bushes. And this couple <laughs> walked by just in time, and they're like, look at what the f yeah. Is and this so, going to be on the news tonight? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Now yeah. move on, please. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I just like, I was yeah, like, I oh forgot. my God. I, I forgot all about that. The severed head was found over here. You think you would think that they rushed home that night to watch the news. Yeah, they never oh, of saw, course they did. Never, they never saw, saw a story <laughs> about a severed head, and they wonder what the hell. What? So, Mike, <laughs> after Almost Live, and you pointedly told us when you decided that's it, I'm done oh. with this show. Uh, what yeah. happened? What have you done you know, since? I, I applied to AFI Film School and got in. Really? And uh, I was just about to. To, to turn in my resignation to, to go, because it took a few months to get accepted, but I knew that it was coming around. And just as that happened, I got offered a position that a company with actually with with uh, uh, with a guy who uh, created the Rev show, Jan Nickman. Mm -hmm. He, uh, had, you know, their company Miramar was expanding and they were doing sort of these armchair nature videos. And we'd go out and do shoot point of view and time lapse of natural scenes and set it to new age music and it became this thing that you know in the 90s it was a nice relaxing new age kind of product that had a lot of steam built up and it was having a lot of success so they needed more people and he came and offered me a job there and 
Yeah, I'm one of the few people you, you would probably ever know that refute that turned down AFI after being accepted because it's huh. a hard school to get into. <laughs> I never knew that. I never knew that. But then so, at, yeah. at some point, then they start up this new show. Well, obviously, the science guy was born on Almost Live. Right. Uh, but he also was, Bill, as the science guy, was doing other stuff for, like, Department of Ecology and stuff like that. We were doing these things with McKenna, Jim McKenna and Aaron Gottlieb. Mm -hmm. We were doing these bits, and uh, that sort of took Bill, the science guy, out of the studio stuff that, that Almost Live would know him as. And, and it started... Uh, sort of formulated in everybody's head that we had a pilot idea and so yeah the we did a pilot in some uh, place in in, the, in uh, pike place market some empty space there in that red bit building that's still there i think yep uh, uh right. right across from, we did, from uh where the kingdom used to be oh uh, no no though no, no that's where we did the show we did the oh. pilot in pike place market yeah oh, oh i did yeah that. yeah yeah about a mile north of that and so we did this pilot and uh they went out and got the money they got science foundation and so yeah i think it, for that. i think uh, if i'm and and, and may, i may be completely wrong but i remember that the fcc at that time decreed that tv stations had to put more children programming on. right yeah uh, and, so and, there's and suddenly they, a need for it yeah. they would say yeah. no the flintstones doesn't count we need right. actual shows for kids and uh, the happy coincidence was, was time, that, hey, we've know. got a pilot. Take a right, look at this. Right, yeah, it was, right. it was wonderfully served. And so, yeah, then we moved into the space you're talking about by the Kingdom, and uh, we built that studio. And I did the first season, I think, and I was just too busy uh, with Miramar stuff. And so uh, I did the first season, and I think the last season. <laughs> I thought you were there so, continuously. No, first, maybe the maybe the first two. I, hmm. It's probably just the first season. And then uh, the last season or maybe two seasons there. I don't know. It's a bit of a blur, but, uh, you know, I mean, the show had such ongoing funding, you know, shoots and seasons sort of blur together, but sure. Sure. Yeah. Hello today on consider the following. I'd like you to consider the following. You and I are sitting on the earth's crust and it seems pretty solid, doesn't it? But now scientists believe that the earth's crust is actually made of plates. Yeah. So that was fun because, uh, you know, got us, well, we were still doing a lot of parodies, but we were doing them with better equipment <laughs> and we had a crew. You're a, you're we had a lighting guys and we had sound people. Can you imagine that? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you weren't hanging out of vans at. Oh no, we probably still did that. <laughs> we probably still did that. Yeah. Oh. When we're doing that Einstein relativity, relativity stuff, you know, your breadth of experience is uh, really kind of, uh, amazing. You've shot films, uh, short films, long films. The guy shooting news at Oklahoma City, and now look what you're doing. I ended up at Miramar there, uh, and so that was a great time because, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, music is an interest and a love for me. So there sure. I was in, a, in the industry creating music-driven products. So that was a, the 90s was great as far as that goes, as far as my creative endeavors. We did the, uh, the Mind's Eye series, which was animations that we, we licensed and we commissioned and accumulated to weave together to make stories with some world-class musicians. So I got to work with uh, Jan Hammer, 
Wow. Uh, I got to work with Thomas Dolby. Uh, I got to work with uh, the German band Tangerine Dream. Mm -hmm. um, uh, wow. Pantera. Those guys are dead. It's just half the guys I've worked with are dead. <laughs> no, nobody's blaming you for that, Mike. Well, I mean, Pete Barnes, this rocker from England, he's gone. Everybody's gone. But you survive. Hey, I see oh, the right. neck of a, a guitar sitting behind you there. Oh, I thought I stuffed that down. Could oh. you could you favor us with a little tune? Oh no, I ain't gonna play. Come nothing. on, man. You can you can no. I, I got nothing to play. I, you know, see that's the thing. I've only recently rediscovered music with the with the um, uh, with the pandemic. And so I've turned into a, a pandemic records recording artist. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of stuff going on, uh, music that I've been writing. See, music is always my first love. And then I uh, decided, oh, well, if I end up as a musician, I'm going to be an alcoholic in a bar every night. So I, I got into TV. <laughs> so now I'm, you know. Now you're I'm a TV guy in a bar music. every yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm finally rediscovering music. So, but the thing is, I can't play as well as I did. And because uh, it's hard. Well, Paul and, McCartney uh, can't so, play but, as well as he did either. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Anyway, so but well, it's it's what uh, but what, what my point is, a recording at home and doing all that is great because I can just do it over and over again until I get it right. You know, because right. no one's gonna. I'm not paying three hundred dollars an hour. Well, th this is gonna be uh, kind of tricky for this podcast if I don't at least pretend like you're playing for us. So oh. here, ladies and gentlemen, is oh. Mike Boydston. <laughs> Well, keep working at it, Mike. You're a little rusty. Okay. Mikey, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man. All right. Oh, great. You may not be the best, Mike, but you will do until the best comes around. <laughs> Thanks, man. The Almost Live, Still Alive podcast, produced and edited by Morris Patrick Cashman. Technical director is Dave Tavers. This program was made possible in part by the 12th century nun and mystic Hildegard von Bingen, inventor of spoken language, and by Emil Berliner, creator of the microphone. And I'm your announcer, that kid from Sluggy, Chris Cashman. Oh.